the stars, moons, clouds, everything are aligned right. There's an Easter Bunny hopping through your house right now. Good Friday was yesterday. Today was, I'm going to call it Easter Saturday. Tomorrow, Easter Sunday. Hopefully, the holiday is as awesome for you as it is for me. Never really been a huge Easter guy, but it's like a cool, chill holiday. Got some eggs, whether they're real eggs or fake eggs. So you either got some protein or you got some sweets. Both are good for me. And you get some little gifts. Hopefully, it's a great holiday. And if you're having a great holiday, why not have a great podcast on top of that? I have my buddy, former colleague, co-worker for eight years, and Jared Bell. He is still with the News Tribune in LaSalle. He is now a advertising rep instead of a sports writer, how we both began there. I want to send a special thank you for having him on the show. And honestly, we didn't talk at all about sports. I mean, we're in this quarantine lockdown from COVID-19, the coronavirus, and there really isn't much to talk about. But the one thing that did happen live is something Jared and I have always had in common, even though we do not have anything in common except this. And that is wrestling, that is WWE, and that is WrestleMania. We talk about WrestleMania 36 and all kinds of other stuff wrestling from our Mount Rushmores, our favorite wrestlers, all kinds of stuff in this podcast. It was great to talk to him. We really just took conversations that we've had before, and I mean many of these conversations, and put it on a podcast so we could share and have everybody know how big of nerds we are. But it's okay. We know we're nerds. And per his request, which you can listen to at the very end of this podcast, he says we should put up a poll asking who was the better sports writer during their time at the News Tribune. So I did put it up. And I was really, really shocked with the results. So I kept tracking it because I just wanted to tell a story about the votes. For the first, I'm going to say 10 hours, I was in the lead by anywhere from two votes to about six votes. The end of the day, going into the next day, I put the poll up for 17 hours. So I'm going to say probably about the 10th hour or 11th hour, we were tied. I woke up in the morning. There was like two hours left. Jared had a three-vote lead on me, and then at the end, when it was all said and done, 17 hours later, we were tied at 27 votes apiece, 54 total. I was shocked that it came out like that. Jared was there longer. He's still there. Kind of taught me a few things, but I'm cooler, so I guess I get it. (laughs) I would tell that to his face, too. As you can listen to on this podcast, we are good friends that do that back and forth. So thank you for voting. Thank you for listening, as always. Before we get to the interview with Jared, let's talk about home renovations. With this time of quarantine, thanks to COVID-19, actually no thanks whatsoever, you may start to see a few things that may need to be updated. Whether it's a light fixture or an entire kitchen remodel, Olson Construction is here to help you. The family-owned and operated company prides itself in offering family prices with family honesty. Olson Construction specializes in roofing, siding, windows and doors, deck designs, and garage and room addition. Owner Keith Milas has been in construction for over 10 years and is willing and able to take care of your home renovations from start to finish with your thoughts and opinions taken with every step of the journey. For a free estimate, call Olson Construction, which is fully licensed and insured at 815 910-5982 
by Facebook at the Olson Construction LLC page or email olsonconstruction19 at gmail.com. We will be back on Monday with another awesome podcast. And this one's kind of special. I'm going to tell you who it is. It's my madre. It's my mom, Lisa LaChance Lingelbach, Carter Williamson the third, 45th. No, just kidding. Lisa LaChance Lingelbach. So my mom stopped by. We had a cool conversation. We stayed, I want to say we stayed 15 feet from each other and just talked. It was really cool. My mom was really excited to be on, and it was a great time. I was excited to have her here. We talk about some cool stuff. It was awesome. That's all I got to say. It was awesome. Well, until next time, stay safe. Have a great Easter. Either hide some eggs in some awesome spots or collect some eggs and get some awesome, hopefully, cashola or some candy. Until next time, peace. So if somebody was to say, like, hey, how is Brandon and this dude friends? It seems like that's how all of our conversations start when somebody meets me and this guy named Jared Bell. Worked together for a while and we're two totally different people, but somehow we became pretty awesome friends and I am thankful that he has decided to join Edge of URC podcast today. Jared, what's up, my man? Finally, I have been invited to the Edge of URC podcast. (laughs) I love it. That is the rock edition of Jared? I absolutely. I was waiting. I have been waiting and waiting and waiting, wanting to know when my friend Brandon is going to invite me. And finally, all it took was a pandemic, but I have made it. Actually, all it took was for WrestleMania. Oh, I love WrestleMania. You know that. And that's why I waited, because you are probably my... My other friends that I talk wrestling with are probably mad, but we've watched so many shows together. We just went to Survivor Series together in November. We have pretty much did a little bit of everything wrestling-wise. Absolutely. You mentioned Survivor Series weekend. We went to how many shows at the All-Stage. We've seen pay-per-views. We've seen Raws. We've seen SmackDown. Like I said, we even saw NXT War Games, which is pretty cool. So, yeah, we've seen a lot. And I want to say we went through like a good probably year and a half run where every single pay-per-view we would get together, have a couple more friends involved, have some food together. Like we did a lot. Yeah, we were watching every WWE pay-per-view on the network. It was you, me, my wife. It was a great time. She could have cared less. You and I were all about it, totally geeking out over all of the make-believe of the world wrestling entertainment. So I thought... Why not have him on WrestleMania or around WrestleMania and we can talk about it? Because that, to me, was a perfect time to have you on. Yeah, absolutely. I actually told my family a couple of days ahead of time, don't bug me Saturday night or Sunday night. I reserved the right for those four hours to sit in front of my TV and watch the weirdest WrestleMania, but also the greatest, most interesting WrestleMania of all time. Yes, and we'll start right there. How did you feel, first of all, no fans at WrestleMania? How was that? Yeah, I mean, I love these big events and these big shows, but I don't really watch weekly anymore. Uh, no SmackDown, no Raw, whatever. Just kind of follow along. So I didn't know what to expect. I kind of got that first experience of no fans in the shows at WrestleMania, and it was weird. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Because you can kind of hear everything. It's a different look. It's a different feel. I think from a performance perspective, it probably didn't feel like a WrestleMania because it wasn't the 70,000 or 100,000 fans. 
but it definitely took a little bit of time to get used to. Um, once you get into the lane, it was just off to the races like normal. Yeah, I totally agree, and I said that it was just really weird not having fans, and you could hear every single thing that the wrestlers said. So sometimes, like, you could hear every word they're saying, the commentators are talking at the same time, and it kind of sometimes, like, rambled over each other. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it was also interesting to see how certain matches use the no fans and the fact that you can hear everything. You know, Daniel Bryan and Sami Zayn did a tremendous job of using it uh, you know, Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens, the same thing, to kind of let the discussion and the trash talk between the two combatants kind of be a part of the story, which is really cool. Yeah, they used it to tell the story, which I said as well. It was like, that was a great idea from them to play off of that, because they know that they could be heard more than they were before. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, the trash talk of Sami Zayn or him begging to not have Daniel Bryan kind of beat him or, you know, the same thing of Kevin Owens saying, come on, let's, let's give me some more death rounds. I think that was really a great way to kind of use what you're talking about, the natural conversation that goes on in the actual story of the match. Now, with us being in coronavirus, we're not in a lockdown, but quarantining, you know, social distancing, all that other stuff, NCAA, NBA, MLB, everything sports-wise, shut down high schools across the country but Wrestlemania still happens by WWE what did you think about that should they have had it I think the way that they did it ended up being the right call originally I thought they were going to postpone it and maybe push it back but you know they ended up having to record it about a week and a half early just to kind of beat the city of Orlando's kind of lockdown you know no gatherings of a certain amount of people I didn't think it would be as good as it ended up being because I thought it was kind of rushed and they had to do a lot in a very short amount of time. The way that it worked out, I was happy that they did it, especially because they was a break. As you mentioned, there's really nothing else going on in the sports world. So that's why initially I was against it. I thought just postpone it. It doesn't make sense. And then after seeing the product, I was so happy they ended up continuing. Yeah, it felt good. It was kind of like appointment TV, which hasn't happened in a long time. We're like, hey, at this time, this day, I'm going to definitely watch it. Hasn't happened, but WrestleMania was there for us to actually have something to enjoy. And I think it made it more special. What have you watched? What have you done? I mean, you can only watch so much of MJ's Bulls or you know, old school Monday Night Football and ESPN. This was something new, something fresh, and we were just all kind of yearning for it, let alone it's WrestleMania. Is it the biggest show of shows? It's too big for one night. <laughs> well played, sir. I liked that they did that. I thought they should have done that a couple years ago when it kept expanding and expanding. It was three hours, then four hours, then the last couple years. I think it's, what was last year's? I was at your house. Was it like six hours, seven hours? Yeah, last year, I think it was eight hours with the pre-show. And it got to the point last year, it was so long that you left because it was getting too late. And I went to bed before it was over. So I had like three matches last year left, and I just tapped out. I was done. I didn't want to keep watching. I mean, I had to work the next morning. It was late. It just it wasn't worth it, especially for matches. You kind of knew the outcome. This year, two nights of matches was great because after the first night, I wasn't exhausted. I was looking forward to the other one. And it wasn't also a start at 4 p.m. and go to 11 p.m. So I thought it was a great idea 
I really think that they should continue to do it. I don't know exactly how it would work with the Hall of Fame, with NXT, with WrestleMania, and now that even that Friday Night SmackDown. But as a whole, I thought it was a great idea, and I would really like to see it continue. I would too. The only thing that I liked last year better than this year is when I was getting tired of watching lame matches, I was building stuff with blocks with your sons. Exactly, exactly. They're playing with Chichis right now, so if you want to comment, you comment to Train Engine or Percy or James or any of those characters, feel free to come on them. <laughs> I like how Maddox came in. I built like a kind of like a palace house looking thing. I don't know what it really was. Maddox came in like Godzilla and just knocked it all over. Absolutely, and he still does that. Probably more Eli now, the youngest, is the destroyer, but, you know, especially this quarantine, they've only seen really me and my wife and each other, so if you want to come down and watch some wrestling and, uh, you know, play with some tiles, bang of tiles or Legos or anything like that, I'm sure they'd love to have you. I'd love to see them. They're good kids. What I did like about WrestleMania was the very, very first live face that I saw was, of course, Stephanie McMahon. We've had this discussion many, many times. I know exactly where you're headed. You would be Mr. Stephanie McMahon if Triple H would allow her. Yeah, and if I could beat up Triple H, I would still try to have her, but, you know, he could whoop me, so that's not even a question. Well, to be honest, I think you could probably beat up Goldberg. For as terrible as matches are, I'm not sure you could beat Triple H, but you can sure beat up Goldberg if there. <laughs> I would try. I really never liked Goldberg, really wasn't a big fan, so I would try, no doubt. Yeah, not a fan of him. Yeah, Stephanie was Stephanie, and, you know, if you want to go ahead and make a move, best of luck with you. If you need someone to host the podcast after you get beat up by Triple H for a few months, let me know. Huh? I will. I will. I'll give him the number, because somebody else is going to have to contact you, because I probably won't be able to speak after that happens. <laughs> but if he says yes, then, oh my goodness. Yeah. Then we would never hear from you again. Ever. Never, ever, ever. But when we had this conversation before, I would always say that I thought Stephanie was the best-looking woman in WWE. Or I don't know if you'd really call her a diva, but I would say, like, hey, she's my favorite diva. Who was yours of all time? Of all time. I mean, I grew up, you know, really watching the wrestling in the mid-'90s, so how can you go wrong against Sonny? Oh, the original. Yes, with with the uh, Body Donnas and the LODs, and she had a love interest storyline with the Godwins. I mean... I'll be any of them. It doesn't matter to me. And then she had a real-life love story with Shawn Michaels. Yes, yes. They definitely had an interesting story with Chris Candino and all that, kind of still dating her while she and Shawn were together. It's just weird. But, yeah, for the, uh, the about, I don't know, maybe 10-year-old version of myself, definitely Sony. What did you think about Rob Gunkowski being the special guest host? I think it lost a lot of luster, given that there was no fans there. I mean, how cool would it have been to have Rob Gronkowski hosting WrestleMania in Tom Brady's new home? And it was just kind of weird to have him there. I don't think he really fit, because he kind of had that party character, and that's not really doable in a warehouse with pretty much no one there. So I think going forward, they can hopefully use him in a good way. And obviously, he's champion. I mean, I don't want to have his spoilers out there, but Rob Gronkowski left WrestleMania as a champion. So hopefully, they can do something cool with it. The way it worked, I just wasn't a big fan of it. Don't worry about spoilers. I mean, I pretty much put spoilers out on a podcast or two ago. Plus, this is, you know, going to be about a week later. So don't worry about spoilers. We're going to talk about all kinds of stuff. I'm going to disagree with you about Gronk, though. I kind of felt like they needed 
hyped up party characters. Don't get me wrong, I hate Mojo Rawley. I don't think he's a good wrestler. Normally, if there's fans and stuff like that, he's one of the last people I want to see on the TV screen. But I thought having Mojo and Gronk trying to be lively and kind of silly and made watching it a little cooler because what would it have been like if there's somebody like super serious and sinister or didn't have that like kind of funny behavior with them I don't think it would have went as smoothly as it did because they made it exciting even though no one was there do you know what I think no what do you think it doesn't matter what I think or what you think or anybody thinks because that's wrong <laughs> let's just throw that out there right now it was not a good fit. I think the idea was good, and it would have been even better. It would have been passable under the 70,000 fans at it's a Raymond James Stadium. But just in that setup, I didn't like it. And that's the bottom line. Of course, or as usual, we'll disagree. No, we don't. We always agree. <laughs> yeah, that's what you mentioned, that we, you and I never agree. And at one point when we were hanging out at one of our wrestling events, my wife goes, how are you guys even friends? True <laughs> story, sure, right? She was like, you guys disagree more than anybody I've ever met in my life. And I don't understand how you guys are friends. It's crazy. True sure, story. Sure. Yep, a lot of sure. people have said that. Like, how does that even work out? Don't know. It does. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. We're two totally, completely different people, as you said. We somehow share a love of sports and of wrestling. Definitely. Let's get into some of the matches. We don't have to like break them down match by match, but what were some of your favorites? Probably the same as both everybody. I mean, I really liked the Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens match. The triangle ladder match with just three people was actually pretty good, and I was not looking forward to that. I must say that the Boneyard match was awesome. I loved it. I can't wait for it. It was great. You know, stuff like that was really good. I really enjoyed it. Um, some of that stuff. There was a lot of disappointing matches, but those are the ones I really enjoyed. Two podcasts ago, I ranked all the matches. I didn't rank them like all, all 16. I ranked part one matches, and then I ranked the matches in part two. The three matches that you said were my top three matches in part one. So if you had to rank those three, which order would you have them? I would probably say that the Boneyard match with Styles and with Taker is number one. I would probably say the ladder match was number two, and I would say probably, it's tough because it's, it's Owens and it's Rollins or it's even Daniel Bryan and Sami Zayn, but I'd probably go with Owens and Rollins just because of that spot. You know, I'm all about the big moments and whatnot, and you don't really think you're going to get something like him jumping off the WrestleMania sign onto Jeff Rollins, so that was pretty cool. And as usual, we disagree again. I went three. You're right, you're wrong. <laughs> I went ladder match with Kofi Kingston, Jimmy Uso, and John Morrison three. Undertaker and Styles in the Boneyard match two. And then Rollins and Owens one. I just like how the, they told the story. The jumping off the WrestleMania stage. I like how Rollins hits Owens with the ring bell. They're going to call it a dis DQ. Owens is like, no, this ain't over. I like when they do that sometimes. And it was cool. I like that match the best. I have two words for you. No way. <laughs> All right, what about uh, part two? Which matches did you like there? You know the one match that I actually thought was disappointing that stuck out to me the most was Edge and Orton. Like, it was just too long. It was too repetitive. It just wasn't 
my appetite. I think the last five minutes or ten minutes when they were on top of the semi was really good. But as a whole, I was kind of disappointed by that. So that's probably one of my least favorite matches of the weekend. But as far as night two, I mean, the Firefly Funhouse was pretty cool to see it. You know, the old, the old school Saturday Night's main event. I'm actually, you know, since we're in quarantine, have gone back and have watched every single Saturday Night's main event, starting back, I believe, in 1985 or 1986, then mixing in the pay-per-views. So, like, WrestleMania 1 and 2 and all the Royal Rumbles and Survivor Series. So, that was kind of cool to see that as well as Puppet Vince and Puppet Macho Man. There's not a lot of, of great memorable moments for it, too, for me. So, that was probably the, the biggest takeaway that I had was that match in the Firefly Funhouse. Um, I was playing the love story, though, with Dolph and whatnot. That, that guy is one lucky, you know what. <laughs> of course, you're talking about Otis kissing Mandy Rose at the end there. He's definitely lucky, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah, I mean, I imagine what that match would have been like in front of the live crowd. The reaction he would have gotten from that would have been pretty cool. I mean, it's already a WrestleMania moment for him, but yeah, if, if the fans were there, it would have been times 18 million. Mm-hmm. It would have been insane for him. Yeah, that's what I keep going back to, especially in night two. How more of a reaction and bigger it would have been had there been fans there. With, with McIntyre winning, that would have been a nice pop. The five-way ladies match, that probably would have been more of a pop. With that kiss between them, that would have been more of a pop. And you know, Ed Rowling could have kind of done more in the stadium than just kind of go through some random odd spots. So that was a great thing for night two. It would have been much cooler to see it live in front of a live uh, totally agree. If you had to pick three top matches from part two, what three would they be? Probably the Firefly Funhouse. I'm trying to remember what all the other matches from that too, because they weren't really totally memorable to me. So we had Charlotte and Rhea Ripley. I didn't like that. I, uh, it was a great match, don't get me wrong, but I really wanted to see Rhea Ripley and, and can retain her title. Just like I didn't like that Becky Lynch one. I mean, Shane Bezos sure have won that. Just give me something new. They're not ready to dethrone the four horsemen of the women's wrestling. They're not going to do it yet. I don't know. It just it wasn't... Again, great match. I like that match. I forgot about that match entirely, but it just... It wasn't the result I was hoping for. I liked it. I thought it was a good match. I got it, like, in the middle of my rankings. Wasn't tops, wasn't bottom. It was, like you said, it was a yeah. solid wrestling match. Yeah, and not a lot of people can do that because there's a lot of gimmick matches. Then they had Aleister Black and Bobby Lashley. I don't get Aleister Black. He should be really good, and he should get a bigger push. I don't get why he's not in a better spot. I really hope he becomes more of a player. Bobby Lashley, well, he's stuck with Lana, so jokes on him. I'm not a big fan of him. I've never liked Bobby Lashley. Never. I think he's a bum on the mic. I think he's actually a bum in the ring. He's just big. That's it. Eric Bischoff's podcast this week was talking about how he was the stereotypical wrestler. You just look at him. And that I totally agree with because he's everything you want, just not entertaining at all. No, not at all. Then we had the match we were kind of talking about earlier with Otis and Dolph Ziggler. It was gimmicky, but it was kind of cool. Yeah, just imagine if her music would have hit in that big stadium when she came out. It ended up just being nothing because there was no crowd there to react, but I feel like they're kind of going forward and they could have some fun with it. Definitely. The only other match that we didn't 
mention because we have Edge and Randy Orton in Last Man Standing. We have the SmackDown Women's Five Way between Sasha Banks, Lacey Evans, Tamina, Naomi, and Bailey. Then the Firefly Funhouse with John Cena and Bray Wyatt. The WWE Belt match between Drew McIntyre, Brock Lesnar. The only one that we have not spoken about was the Raw Tag Team Titles. Street Profits retained against Angel Garza and Austin Theory. Who? 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 Yeah. Who are these people? <laughs> <laughs> the biggest person that I knew from that was Bianca. The Black Ballet or whatever her name is with the long hair that's married to one of the guys. Yeah. That was kind of cool, but, you know, it was okay. It was just a match for me. Exactly, in the middle. So my top three, I, again, am going to disagree with you. I love the Edge and Randy Orton match. I liked that they took it other places. Too long. I didn't mind that it was long. I kind of liked it that way. How many times do you check Twitter or check Facebook or check and see how many awesome people have listened to your podcast during that match? It was too long. It wasn't captivating enough. And I didn't really like the fact that they tried to hang him with the bench press thing because of the whole Kristen Law situation. So that was kind of a uh, moment to me. I understand that, but I did like how they were using other stuff. I thought it was kind of creative how, you know, he used the pull-up bar to jump on him. Then they went into the other room, and Randy Orton was on the table. Edge climbs the fence, drops an elbow. I just thought it was creative and stuff that you don't see using different equipment. Yeah, the elbow drop, I would agree with. That was pretty cool when it was hanging up top, but like I said, it's just drug and drug and drug. And the last 10 minutes, loved it. So I'm not saying it was a bad match from start to finish, but... Yeah, I ended up hearing that it was the second longest match in WrestleMania history. So my question to you is, what is the longest WrestleMania match in history? Would it be Brett and Sean, the Iron Man match? It would be Brett and Sean, the Iron Man match that went into overtime at WrestleMania 12. Yeah, that was the only one that I could think that was super long, but that one I could watch all day, every day. Yeah, that was a great match. So yeah, and then after that, I went the women's five-way. I thought they told a lot of great stories. I was really surprised how they used the friendship angle between Sasha Banks and Bayley because they did an interview before the match. They're good friends. Sasha, are you going to turn on her, try, try to take the belt, you know, all that other stuff. So I liked how they did it and still had them friends. Sasha Banks comes through and helps Bayley at the end. Yeah, hated it. It was so bad and so boring. And I do agree, it was a bit of a twist that she did not turn her, but yeah, it just wasn't a fan. I'm not a huge fan of Naomi. I'm not a huge fan of Tamina. I don't really love the Lacey Evans storyline, uh, the character, but it just it wasn't a great match for me. See, this is why WWE has so many different things going on, because there's people like you that don't know what they're talking about and don't like anything that I like when I know everything. <laughs> Hey, you know what? It's my opinion, and if you want, you can get off this podcast, and I can continue on telling people what the real answers are. <laughs> we talked about John Cena and Bray Wyatt, and we obviously talked about Undertaker and AJ Styles. I'm putting them in the same class because they were like mini-movies. You had the sound effects. There was music going on. There was all the things. They were like short movies, cinema features to it instead of just a wrestling match. I can't believe that I even like those matches because they're so different. They're not even a match. They're just a Hollywood fight or, you know, the Firefly fun, fun House kind of a mental thing. But they were great. They were awesome. And the fact that 
AJ was basically begging, don't bury me, don't bury me, or take her, say, what's my wife's name now, huh? Stuff like that was awesome. And I actually really liked that at the end, after Taker buried AJ alive, AJ's hand was up to show he's still there. So I love that. And the sci-fi funhouse, I mean, let's be honest, Bray Wyatt is probably the most interesting character in all of WWE right now from his split personalities and whatnot. That was just awesome. Yeah, I thought they were both really done well. I had them on top of my rankings on both. Undertaker and Styles, I mean, I liked how... How many people have called Undertaker out and said, hey, in the last at least five to ten years of how he doesn't have it anymore, he's not going to be able to do it, now they're using Michelle McCool as a reason why he can't do it. And then, of course, Undertaker always pulls it out, except against Brock Lesnar and Roman. Exactly. I was a big fan of those. I know a lot of people didn't like it, but you know what? To me, it had to evolve. You, you can't be stuck in the past. I think it could be a new way to do it. But what I really hope is I really hope that they use those to propel AJ Styles and Bray Wyatt um, kind of to the new stuff because Taker's gone. He's not going to come back for a while until at least a couple months or maybe even next year for WrestleMania to stay in the scene. So I hope that they kind of use those matches, propel those two people into interesting storylines. You can say what you want to about Cena when you're at a normal arena with normal fan participation. You know, half the arena's yelling, let's go Cena. The other half's yelling, Cena sucks. Whichever side that you were on, you have to appreciate this man and what he does for the business. You know, a lot of wrestlers along the way throughout their careers will say, I'm not going to do that. That's going to make me look bad. It's going to be against my character, things like that. John Cena, it seems like anything you ask this man to do, he's going to do it with a smile on his face, with the company on his shoulders, and just deliver anything that he can. And I thought he did an awesome job with the Firefly Funhouse match and looking like a stooge most of the time, but knowing that in the end, John Cena is the they're going to come out on top or at least make a representation of himself that people are going to be like, okay, John Cena, I see you. Yeah, I think he, he gets a lot of credit because he went into that knowing he's probably going to lose and the fact that he was working to set up a different character. So I'm sure the WrestleMania paycheck was nice, but the fact that he was willing to do that, I mean, think about it, he had like no offense. I get that it wasn't a true match, but he really kind of was on the defensive the whole segment. So the fact that he was willing to do that in the limited time he was there, that I actually agree with. That that was kind of a cool thing and showed how great he you know he was. He was the old John Cena who didn't have hair, not necessarily the new John Cena that does have hair. I understand what you're saying there. I liked it. What about the uh, <laughs> with the dumbbells? <laughs> he worked his arms out till he couldn't even move them no more. That was pretty funny. Like I said, I, I love that they had the old Saturday night main events open. How awesome was that? I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought that was great. I thought having Bray kind of be in an Eric Bischoff role and then Cena come out in a Hollywood Hogan-esque type deal. I thought that was great. Yes. The Twitter was buzzing with John Cena in an NWO shirt. That was so cool. And I wonder if that was just because or because the NWO was supposed to be inducted into the Hall of Fame you know, on Saturday night. I don't know, maybe Cena's starting a new NWO. Yeah, that'd be great. I'm okay with it. If she gets too busy becoming The Rock Jr. making movies. <laughs> That's true. That's true. We kind of glanced around these matches, which is a shame. We glanced around the Universal Belt match between Goldberg and Braun Strowman, and we glanced around WWE Belt with Drew McIntyre and Brock Lesnar. You really have to go here. 
I do have it right here. These are the two terrible, terrible. The two biggest belts in company history, and that's the kind of product you deliver to us with these belts. Yeah, and I I would have been interested to see the Roman Reigns Goldberg match. Would it have been that pathetic and that quick? I really think that it probably would not have been had he been there. But you know, I mentioned before I didn't hate Goldberg back in the day. You know, I was never a huge fan, but the fact that he beat Bray Wyatt and Saudi Arabia for the belt so quickly and then had such a quick WrestleMania match was really kind of disheartening. I mean, he's a great, I'm sure he's a great guy. He's a great character. I mean, I think he's the, the only WWE Hall of Famer to ever defend a WWE title when he's already in the Hall of Fame. I think I'd heard that only person be a WWE champion over four decades. So that was kind of cool. Uh, but uh, he's done. Put a fork in him. Put him in the, the Mick Foley role. Put him in the Rock role. Put him in whatever role you want, as long as he's not my champion. But I do think that it, it was clearly set up for Roman Reigns to win. The fact that you would put Braun Strowman in that situation with absolutely no hype or no build pair of shows, that they were done with Goldberg, no matter who he was going to be chasing in WrestleMania. I actually do really like the Drew McIntyre story. I think it's kind of a cool story and whatnot, but I was ready for more. I was ready to be kind of settled in to see a 10-minute, a 15-minute, 20-minute match with Lesnar. And really, it was seven moves. It was three F5 and four kicks, and that was it. And, you know, the best part of that match to me was Paul Heyman. And that's not good. Not good when the best guy is the voice on the outside, and I totally agree with you. And it was the same thing with Goldberg and Strong. There was like four power slams, three or four spears, and that was the match. That's an awful way to go with your two biggest belts in your company, and I ranked them both as the worst match of part one and part two. Yeah, I think Goldberg, for sure. Goldberg and Strowman are the worst matches, and I actually like Strowman, so I, it's not so much on him. Um, but yeah, I just, they weren't... Think of back in the day when you had a Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart in the main event, or you had Bret Hart and Owen Hart, or you had people like that where your best wrestlers were in the main event, and those were the most amazing matches. And now you get that, it just—it's unfortunate, but they weren't as good as they should or could have been. You should be fighting for the belt. That's what everyone goes after, and it just didn't feel important. No, not at all, and I think that's my biggest takeaway. I've said it a couple times here, and I've said it you know, off of this podcast, is the most important matches were the worst matches of the WrestleMania, and we talked about WrestleMania for like 10, 15 minutes and just glanced over them and talked about other matches that shouldn't have been as important as those. Exactly. So who was your biggest star of WrestleMania? The way the best and the most best-looking, the best come off, whatever, the, had the most shine of themselves. I'm going to go with Bray Wyatt. And I was going to go with Daniel Bryan. Him and Sami Zayn, it was a great match. I wish yeah. there wasn't as much outside garbage, but I did like how they told a story with it, and of course with not having fans there. He's so good. He's so, we're talking about the talk between the competitors earlier, and that's exactly the match that I was talking to. That was the very first match that showed what you can do and how to work the live audience, or the non-live audience with no one there. Uh, they did a great job. I totally agree. 
What about the group of Sammy? That's Finn? weird. Wait, wait, wait. We actually agree. <laughs> we That's have a podcast. Actually, that can't happen. We have actually agreed a couple times here in the end, like what we've been talking about lately. The beginning, we we're like, nope, That's don't agree, agree, don't agree, don't agree, and then now we're like, yeah, mm-hmm. Universal WWE belt. We agree on that. We agree on the uh, Intercontinental belt between. Daniel Bryan and Sami Zayn. What do you think about the group of Sami Zayn, Shinsuke Nakamura, and Cesaro? That was the weirdest group I think I've ever seen. Weird. Yeah, it's weird. It's really weird. Like, I love Shinsuke, and I thought he should have been AJ Styles a couple years ago and turned heel back then. I mean, I'm a big fan of him, and I think he should be much more, you know, farther along in his career, had more of a push, and they're just weird. You know, Cesaro, Cesaro, he could kind of be on his own. I just, I agree with you, unfortunately. I agree with you. That's just a weird pairing. I do think that Cesaro can really tag or be in a stable with anybody that he wants to because I feel like they've already done it. They need to put him with somebody that's kind of, you know, a jerk or a coward who needs some muscle behind him. He could be a great muscle. Think of Virgil. Virgil, the million dollar man. He could be great in that role. Cesaro was so much better of a wrestler than Virgil was, though. But you get my idea. I mean, they're both muscular. They just, I don't know. I, I don't get Cesaro why he hasn't gotten over more. And to the biggest fight that you and I always have, that, that I say that WWE does not have any superstars. They don't have anybody who's incredibly over right now. I think that's what really is hurting all of this. I mean, imagine if we had a Stone Cold winning the title or Macho Man even or The Rock. It just, the WWE right now, they're very deep and they have a lot of great characters that are provided for very entertaining tonight. But they don't have that person who's just the runaway superstar that they've had in the past. And that's what they're missing. I have not agreed with this in the past, but I think now I'm leaning towards more agreeing with you because if you look at the biggest stars that they have, Roman Reigns, nowhere near the popularity of a Stone Cold or a Rock. Seth Rollins, not close. You go down the lineup, those are probably the two biggest right now. Kevin Owens, Bray Wyatt, none of them are on that level. So this, I have to tend to agree with you. Yeah, I mean, I would even consider Stone Cold and the Rock as like superstars, like megastars. Even bigger than that. They don't even have a superstar, in my opinion. I mean, Roman Reigns just isn't over. And I think the most over person, the most pop you've heard in probably the last how many years was when Edge surprised at the Royal Rumble. Now, that is somebody who's over. That's a pop. That's a real star. But they, just, they don't have that. I'm not a Roman Reigns top of the company guy. I'm not a Seth Rollins top of the company guy, but... Unfortunately, that's the best they have right now. So just imagine how great this would be if they had somebody like, like a John Cena. But John Cena was a superstar when he was a every you know episode, every pay per view, every television show uh, wrestler, and they just they don't have that right now. It'd be great to see it. I really hope that becomes Braun Strowman. I really hope it becomes Drew McIntyre. But unfortunately, I don't think either one is really the case. I mean. I would love to see a WrestleMania that was so deep and so great that they didn't need Brock Lesnar, that they didn't need The Undertaker, but they're part of it now because they don't really have those parts of people. And, you know, I know that you're a huge Randy Orton fan. I'm not. I don't think he's as big of a star as you and I have debated in the past. 
I wouldn't say that he's ever been my favorite, but I just really appreciate how he worked. I liked his ring work. I liked how he was just so smooth and methodical about everything. But I mean, even he's he's been around, what, 20 years at least? He's probably been about 15 years. I think it was about 2004, 2005 when he's part of Evolution. Maybe 2006. I think he came around before Evolution, so it's probably somewhere in between 15 and 20. But, I mean, yeah. been around forever. They're running out of storylines for him. He doesn't have the star power that he once did. There's no doubt about that. I don't even he's think... He's boring. He's boring. I think he's boring. I don't think he's very entertaining. I never really loved his character. He is boring... I do like his mic work, though. I mean, he throws off that, you know, Viper character, kind of like Jake the Snake, not as well as Jake the Snake, but tries to throw that off a little bit. I like his ring work, so that gives him a little more favor in my book. Yeah, I do think he's a good performer. I just, I'm not a fan of him like I would be for other people. We're talking about fandom. Where does this WrestleMania, WrestleMania 36, rank with you? Is it in the top 10, bottom 10, somewhere in the middle? Where would you put it? And where they would say, I'd probably say it's top 10. It was pretty good. I mean, I think part of that had to do with expectations. Um, I don't think a lot of people had a lot of really high, really great expectations. Um, you know, I think a lot of people thought it could be the worst WrestleMania ever, but unfortunately, it was not as bad as WrestleMania 9 or WrestleMania 11. And to be honest, I think it was probably the best pay-per-view since the one that I think you and I actually watched at your apartment back in the day. Uh, in San Francisco, Santa Clara, that air one, where I think it was about five years ago. So it was probably the best WrestleMania in least five or six years. I don't know if i put it top ten. I'd have to go through them all. The ones that I would automatically put ahead of it, if going through numbers, WrestleMania 3, 10, 14, 18, then I'd have to think about it a little bit. The ones that are obviously worse, you already mentioned 9, 11. I would throw 12 in there. I might even throw WrestleMania 2 in there. Eight. WrestleMania 1 was boring as all can be. True. I would put 4 in the Oops. top 10 ahead of it. Yes, I was going to say 4 was great. 3 was a little overrated. I think it was better than I mentioned I was watching. Kind of the chronological Saturday Night's main event. And it was a lot better when you kind of are following the stories. But still, it wasn't as good as 4. 4 was great. What I like about 3, Macho Man and Steamboat. Then, of course, you got that iconic clash between Hogan and Giant and then the rest of yeah. the matches like I don't even remember what else was in there it was just kind of like eh well we're here do you know the thing I remember most about WrestleMania 3 after those two matches is the fact that King Kong Bundy slammed the midget and the midgets all beat him up <laughs> true story true that is so true so it was him and I think it was somebody else Midgets and him versus other midgets and somebody else. So that, that kind of goes to your point where it's not as memorable as maybe say the tournament at WrestleMania 4 or Shawn Michaels winning at 12 or Austin winning at 14 or even you know, WrestleMania 2000. You have a McMahon at every corner. Definitely. And I said when I was talking about the bottom ones, I put 12 in there. 12 would be top 10. 13 was the one that I was talking about. I really didn't care for 13. Yeah, 13 was more of just one moment, really, where Austin was bleeding in the sharpshooter and passed out and lost the first match. Yeah, that's pretty much the top moment. You're talking about midgets and King Kong Bundy. Was he going against Hillbilly Jim? I think so. I think that's right. 
I'm leaning more towards top 10, but right now I'd put it in the middle. I'd have to like look over all of them and, and things like that. But just talking right now, it'd be in the middle of the pack. Yeah, for sure. I agree with you. I mean, obviously it's kind of tough to remember when you, when you get up there with 36 total of them. But yeah, I would agree that it was definitely a top 10 and it was one of my more favorite ones that I had expected. And part of it's the, the card, too. I think they had new matchups. And not a lot of them, if, if any, were, you know, repeats. Like, I can only take Stone Cold and The Rock in the main event for so many years. They can only take Brock versus Roman in a main event pay-per-view so many times. So this is all new. And I really like the fact that they, again, even though they were terrible matches, I like the fact that they tried to put Braun Strowman in front and do something new. I really like that they tried to do the same thing with Drew McIntyre. They felt a lot like WrestleMania 20, where they had Benoit and Guerrero as the new champions. And you know what? Just like then, this may not work out, but at least they're trying something new, and I can appreciate that. Yeah, I'm always one for pushing for superstars and stars and building people up. And I think they're going the right direction, especially with Drew. I think he's probably one of the, you know, biggest up-and-coming people that they have, that if they put money behind and time behind that he could you know be the the front of the the franchise yeah that i don't know about i think he's kind of too quiet and whatnot i think they need to develop his character some more i do feel bad that you know you work that whole season and you do all that your whole career rather and you put all the years and all the work and he left and became champion in the world and came back and he finally wins the title after an amazing kind of moment at WrestleMania. He won the title in front of no one. And that's what I felt the worst for is the fact that he didn't get to have that moment. So hopefully I'll get it soon. But I just don't know if he's going to be the superstar that they need. But I'm definitely interested. See, they have a new character to mold and to kind of see how things can go. And hopefully he can be, you know, entertaining. He doesn't need to be Bret Hart in the ring. He just needs to be entertaining. Yep, that's all we want to watch is entertainment. I mean, it's not even a sport, really, right? It's entertainment. Correct. It's sports entertainment. You know, we've been talking about a bunch of moments and wrestlers and went through some WrestleManias. What are a couple of your top WrestleMania moments? See, I thought about this, and I'm going to be really boring. Dude, I'm going to be the chalk of all chalks. So, I mean, of course, it's the Hogan flame of Andre. Of course, it is Warrior winning at six. It's the ladder match between Michaels and Razor at 10. You know, we mentioned Austin winning at 14 and him passing out at 13. And stuff like that's really the, the, the yes movement. And that was the one in New Orleans when Daniel Bryan was. Those are kind of the big ones I remember. So, I'm going to be boring. I'm going to be tough and say, you know what? It's the chalk that everybody likes. The only one that I always think about that you didn't say, kind of newer, is Seth Rollins. That was the one in San Francisco I was talking about where it was Suplex City between Brock and Roman. Correct. And he cashes in the money in the bank and wins. That was awesome. That was the same WrestleMania that Daniel Bryan won the ladder match for the Intercontinental title. It was Triple H and Sting. That was the same WrestleMania in which The Rock came out and kind of introduced for a better, you know, lack of a better term, uh, Ronda Rousey to the WWE kind of universe and storyline. So, yeah, that was totally 
totally agree on that one. That was a great moment. If I remember right, we were watching that, and you and I both started like yelling at the TV when Seth Rollins' music hit. We're like, "What? No way! He's gonna do it!" Instantly, and then he for comes sure. in and delivered. That was awesome. Yeah, I told you for years that I think that the winner of the Money in the Bank should actually cash it in, maybe like during the Royal Rumble or something like that, to be even more creative. But that was probably one of the most creative finishes that they've had in a long time. It's definitely better than this year. Yeah, and it was the. Biggest match with the biggest title, and it meant the most. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Well, we cannot talk about wrestling and then not talk about our Mount Rushmores. Who is your just wrestlers? I know both of us would put Vince McMahon in there. I might even put Bobby Heenan in there. I love that dude. But just wrestlers, who's your Mount Rushmore? Of course you have to have Hogan up there. I mean, he was the, the longest-lasting you know, kind of flag bearer who really was there forever. He's still around, and it's amazing to think that he was probably, what, in his early 30s, 32 or 33, WrestleMania 1, and he's still out there doing it. So he's definitely on there for me. I think Austin is pretty big because he kind of really was the one that started the popularity of the Attitude Era, which is when you and I really kind of started watching when we were in our our teens are, you know, 14s and 15s and 16s. Um, so he's up there. I would probably add Ric Flair. I saw him obviously late in the WCW run in the 92, 93, 94, after he got back from the WWF. The fourth one is always where I struggle because I think for sure I would put Vince McMahon in that spot. But if you're playing by your rules, I would probably probably put The Undertaker. I mean, the fact that he won the WWE title at the Survivor Series in 91, I think he was like 24 years old. I mean, he's really not that old now. I think The Undertaker's in like his early to mid-50s right now. So he's probably only about 8 to 10 years older than uh, AJ Styles or people like that. But the fact that he's been doing it since 1991, that's almost 30 years is an amazing accomplishment. So I'm going to probably have to put The Undertaker over The Rock, over Macho Man, over Shawn Michaels, over Bret Hart. You know, obviously before that, the Brunos, the Iron Sheiks, the Superstar Billy Graham, you know, back when, all the other people before our time. So we really probably give him the respect he deserves. Um, but to me, The Undertaker, as long as Trevor, takes the fourth spot. Oh, I hate you. <laughs> My exact people. I had a different order. I had Austin, (laughs) Hogan, Undertaker, Flair. But I wrote it out before we did this. And I was like, just so I make sure I don't change who I say, I'm going to write it down. And as you're going through them, I put a check mark through their names. I'm like, oh my God, he's got the exact same four. To me, it's either, if it's not Taker, it's either Bruno, who was a champion for 11 years. Because I never saw a wrestler once in my life. Or it's probably The Rock. Those are the two people that I'd put at five or six. We'll call them tied for fifth, and we'll go from tied for fifth onto the seventh. But yeah, they're they're probably the biggest. You know, Sting is up there, but I don't think he had quite the level as the other three that we put up there, and then the Undertaker. I would still put Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels above The Rock. I know The Rock's star power was bigger, but if we're talking about wrestlers and what they were able to do in the ring, longevity, that kind of stuff, I It tend- doesn't matter what you think. <laughs> I would tend to go Michaels and Hart above The Rock, even though Rock is still in my top ten. 
Yeah, I, I disagree. And I'm a huge Shawn Michaels fan. Like, when I growing up, that was my guy. Like, I hated Stone Cold Steve Austin for so long because he beat my my guy, Shawn Michaels, at WrestleMania 14 in Boston. And then I realized, you know what? This is stupid. Austin's great. But even though I'm a big fan of, of him and I'm a big fan of Bret Hart, I didn't think The Rock was a bigger star. And I think he probably did more in the short time. He's still doing it. I mean, the fact that he had a year-long build for John Cena, and it was actually a pretty good match, shows that, you know, then, now, and maybe in the future, he could still be a big star. The only thing they have against The Rock was that it should have been The Rock and Ronda Rousey versus Triple H and Stephanie at WrestleMania and not Kurt Angle. That's the only complaint I have. Rock should have cleared your schedule. You should have taken whatever money they offered. That would have been an amazing tag team match. The Rock isn't even any good. I'm just saying. Do you think that like half of your listeners understand what we're talking about? We're making some old school, deep cuts, deep opinions. I mean, we're talking about WrestleMania 3. We're talking about obscure moments. People who have listened to this point really deserve some credit because they are hardcore wrestling fans just like us. No doubt. I thought when I decided to have you on for this, and I'm like, I bet that it's just going to be a bunch of wrestling nerds, and that's exactly what I want for this podcast. It'll be great. Absolutely. Yes, I mean, you mentioned that we went to the Survivor Series and the NXT back in uh, November. Well, we drove home at like 1 a.m. in the morning or whatnot. So you and I were going over a list of overrated uh, we drafted female wrestlers. We did it all. So you and I are basically sharing the nerdism and the fandom that we have with the whole podcast audience here. Yes, we are definitely, what's the word that uh, Kevin Nash always says? Marks. There we go. We are WWE wrestling in general, Marks. No doubt about it. You know what we are? We're just two. Sweet! <laughs> Square one up for the, the good guys, by the way. I like that you brought that up, because the last thing I was going to ask you wrestling-wise was your top three personal favorites. They don't have to be great wrestlers. They don't have to be great at anything. Who are three people that you would put as your top three? Can I ask yours? Since I stole yours last time, I don't want to get accused of stealing yours again. All right. I like that. Mine, of course... Bret Hart has always been my favorite wrestler. I don't know why. Watching as a kid, loved him. Steve Austin and Kevin Nash, my top three. Wow. I didn't expect that. See, only one of them. Bret Hart, of course, is on my top three. He's probably two or three. He's, a, he's just a really great wrestler. He's entertaining. He's a technical wrestler. I actually really like Bret Hart, even though I don't think he's on the Mount Rushmore. Uh, so, yeah, Bret Hart's definitely on my list, probably two or three. Number one, as I mentioned, the uh, wrestler of my childhood, for sure, is Shawn Michaels. I was a member of the Click, uh, his fan group, not the uh, people behind the scenes, the Triple H and Razor and uh, Diesel. But, yeah, so Shawn Michaels is one, Bret Hart is two. Three's really hard because there's a lot of really good wrestlers, like, you know, I love The Undertaker. I think he was great. You know, Hogan, I, I have, I still have in my parents' house the, the, all the action figures of Hulk Hogan and all that. 
I still have a big plush doll that I used to wrestle on my bed back in the day. You used to set up their fake kid toy wrestling ring and get all the action figures and you make matches. Yeah, that was totally me back in the day. Uh, for the third one, I would probably go with The Undertaker, but not by much. Like I said, I love Savage. I love Hogan. Um, you know, I love even some of the new stuff that I think that is really good. I love the, the potential of the Bray Wyatt character, the, the scene, uh, the new one is really good. So, yeah, I would probably go with Undertaker, though. I went back and was watching some stuff from like early 90s, mid 90s, late 90s, and you were just mentioning some wrestlers that you like to watch, and there's even like smaller names, or I guess not as popular names. Billy Kidman was awesome to watch. We already mentioned Eddie Guerrero. Chris Benoit was awesome to watch. Brian Pillman, fantastic. Goldberg, not Goldberg, Goldust, even though Goldberg. Gilbert. Yeah, Gilbert, there we go. That is. <laughs> Gilbert. Going back and watching Goldust stuff in like 95, 96, insanely awesome. And you still haven't said probably the one, the best wrestler to never be WWE champion. That would be the one, the only. May he rest in peace, Mr. Owen Hart. Oh, there's three people I put in this conversation. Owen Hart is definitely one. Ted DiBiase. And Scott Hall. Thank you. Scott Hall was never in a Royal Rumble match ever. Never. Ever. So, yeah, I agree. Scott Hall could have been champion. Uh, he would have been a great champion, but unfortunately, it just never really worked out. And, you know, I just, it is what it is. But, yeah, I agree with those. Owen Hart was great. Ted DiBiase was really good. And Razor was really great. His ladder matches with Shawn Michaels at. WrestleMania 10 and I believe it was SummerSlam 95 were really good. And then I forgot to throw in Rowdy Piper. I have to throw him in there too. He would probably be one of my most underrated wrestlers. And I think that's kind of crazy to say because he was a, I mean, he invented WrestleMania 1. It's a pretty big deal. But going back and like watching the Saturday Night's main event and all that, I don't think I really realized how awesome he was. I don't think he gave him enough respect and appreciation, so I love the heel Roddy Piper a lot. Yeah, the heel Roddy Piper is amazing, and I think it's like that for everybody. If you look at wrestlers that are heels and then go on a face run, I always enjoy the heel run better than the face. Yeah, for the most part, I agree. The only one that might be different is Bret Hart, because his face run was amazing but he did have a good heel run with heart foundation against Shawn michaels and things like that at the end of his wwe run yeah and that screw marshall screw job was probably one of the most i say it's one of the two most kind of iconic matches of our childhood that and when hogan joined the nwo bash at the beach in 96 so i don't think Bret hart gets enough respect as a bad guy i think he did a great job I don't even think that's just our lifetime. I think that's wrestling in general. Those two moments changed wrestling forever. It has never been like it was yeah. before then since those two moments. Yeah, I mean, obviously. And I think they kind of piggyback on each other. I think that Hogan joining the NWO really started the Monday Night Wars. And I think without that moment, I'm not sure that the Montreal Screwjob would have happened because that really was the big catalyst that helped him get to WrestleMania 14, where the Austin McMahon feud takes off and kind of puts the WCW back, you know, a distant second and puts them out of business. 
and really ignites what we love and what we really remember doing at the start of the Attitude Era. And then you cannot forget Mankind winning the WW at that time F belt on Raw and then Tony Schiavone talking about it and everybody flips the channel. Have a nice day. I'm a big Mankind fan. I don't think everybody is because some people say he's a son dummy or son sky. I can understand that, but I was a big fan of him. I love him and The Rock there at the end of 98, the beginning of 99. You know, him and Triple H the year after, you know, at the uh, Royal Rumble in New York. And then you also had the Hell in the Cell at No Way Out the month after. I think he's really underrated. I think he's a really good character. He's talked all the matches with the Undertaker. Yeah, if you want to talk about characters, if we did a top three just characters, Mick Foley, Mankind, Cactus Jack, Do Love might be my top four, not just three. And see, that's why I like, exactly why I like him, because you mentioned how you had the different faces of Foley, you know, which we saw in all three of them in the 1998 Royal Rumble out in San Jose. That's what I love about Bray Wyatt, and that's why, even though he's a great wrestler, it's, he's, he's just really good. I think the potential is so there. You know, I think his Bray was one of the most underrated characters, or underutilized characters, and now that's not the case. They're finally using him. I was so mad that he didn't get to meet him at WrestleMania. I thought him and Roman Reigns was likely going to be the WrestleMania main event. I was incredibly disappointed when it didn't happen, but I'm also very excited for, like I said, that's, that's IRS's son. So I'm happy for IRS's son in the future he had. Now that you mentioned that he is Mike Rotunda, who is IRS's son, then think about his other son, Bo Dallas. Oh, Reeves! <laughs> yeah, it's funny because you're watching WrestleMania 1 back in the day, and it's Mike Rotunda who became IRS, and then you have Bruce uh, the Barber Beefcake before their characters and they became big stars so it's kind of cool to see how they evolved and they got better just like Bray Wyatt did and that's why I've went back I like to thank the WWE Network for giving us this opportunity we can go back and watch everything and see the evolution we've mentioned Shawn Michaels Bret Hart Steve Austin Undertaker Hogan you can go back and watch Hogan when he first won the belt against Iron Sheik like you can go back and watch all of these and see the progression the Hulk Hogan we know now was not nowhere near the Hogan that won the belt for the first time no not at all and basically imagine him coming over from the AWA I think it was 84 85 and he wasn't anything like that. Hulk Hogan was with the old Vince McMahon, the father, and he left because he wasn't really as good and wasn't where he needed to be. And now to see him, perfect. Yeah, I totally agree with that. That you know, he is great in a WWE network and the ability to watch all this old stuff is fantastic. The Survivor Series that I watched, I believe it was like 1989 or 1988, and one team, it was the British Bulldog, with uh, the Dynamite Kid, it was the Hart Foundation and the Rockers. So they were all on the same team. That was kind of cool to like, flash forward. You never would have known at that moment, but to go back in retrospect and watch on the network, it was really fun to see, and I really appreciate that. And I'm sure my wife hates it because she's not a huge wrestling fan, but the fact that I can go back and kind of reminisce is awesome. 
Yeah, and then we're talking about Survivor Series. I think Survivor Series 90, Undertaker makes his debut, and he's going against yeah. Dusty Rhodes and Bret Hart and Jim the Anvil, Coco Beware. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he's just manhandling all of these. Speaking of that, just want to let you know in the words of our great friend, Mr. Brother Love, just because I love you doesn't mean I like you. That's a deep cut. You've got these impressions down. I like it. <laughs> what can I say? I'm, I'm a huge nerd. Yes, I will say that I'm a nerd too, especially when it comes to wrestling. So moving forward from WrestleMania, real quick before I let you go, what are some things that you hope to see them do with either development characters, uh, titles, storylines? What are some things that you think could happen after WrestleMania? This is weird, and this goes even farther than just the WWE. But I want to see, one, I want to see the implementation of some of the XT women into the main consistent storylines. I want to see Rhea Ripley. I want to see Shayna Baszler. And I also would be interested in seeing what the Undisputed Era would be like in the WWE main roster. I mean, I know they've kind of a rough shot in the past over the NXT roster. That was basically the whole show we went to. It was... NXT guy and NXT guy and it was you know Undisputed Era Undisputed Era here and there everywhere so that'd be fun um, I'm just more interested to see too kind of what they do with their champion I think as I said before Braun Strowman was very much last minute so it'd be kind of cool to see who they pair him up with I want to know what they do with Brock because Brock is not going away yeah, eventually they're going to have to be the point where they're not going to be able to put him in a title match every time I mean, it's not going to be Ric Flair. It's just Ric Flair versus so-and-so at Starcade every year. Eventually, they're going to have to switch it up and make it different. So, you know, the champions, the fact that the NXT call-ups, and you also have what they do with Brock Lesnar. I agree with you on Brock Lesnar. I've actually probably agreed with that probably like two years ago. He comes in, gets the championship belt, and it's like all the matches are the same. Bunch of suplexes, let's do five to six, maybe top spot moves, and then it's over within, you know, seven to ten minutes. And none of those matches are technical. None of those matches have like super crazy moments there's nobody doing anything that wows or shocks or no oh my god moments they're all the same things that we've already seen from Brock Lesnar for these past five six years every time he wrestles yeah he's kind of getting to the point where now he has to help build new stars like if he wants to have these great matches and these huge he can't just keep beating everybody he needs to do what he did he needs to lose to Drew McIntyre, he needs to lose to Roman Reigns, he needs to lose to Beth Rollins, he needs to build up people that could be opponents. I mean, that's basically what The Undertaker did forever. You know, he got put in the casket by Yokozuna, so that way he could come back and beat him. Same thing with like a Giant Gonzalez or a Kamar, people like that. Like, you know, he had to kind of lose sometimes to set up the standard feud, you know, with mankind. He lost to Mankind in the Boiler Room Brawl at SummerSlam, I think it's SummerSlam 96 in Cleveland. So stuff like that needs to happen to kind of help him in the development of the character. They need more stars, they need more supers. Brock Lesnar should be in that John Cena, Randy Orton role. They were the top of WWE. They were winning titles all the time. They were the guys that you would think of first when you thought of the company. But yeah, that needs a transition to Seth and Roman and Bray and that group of guys. 
Correct. Totally agree. Should we end this with us agreeing, or do we need to disagree with something? No, not at all. We cannot end it with us agreeing. No, that's just not right. We should say, who is the better former New Student Sports writer? We've over-delivered on this podcast, but it's all because of me. Oh, we can definitely disagree about that. There we go. There's a good one to disagree about. <laughs> we'll disagree about that, and we'll disagree about the best writer at our our primes at the newspaper. I'm, a, yeah. of course, going to go with me. The best retired New student sports writer. You know what? You should put up a poll with this. That goes along with you know your Facebook post, your Twitter post. We'll let the people decide. You probably would get the vote because people liked you. It's me, I, I kind of told them how it was sometimes, and I don't know if that worked out though so well. Hey, let's leave it up to the people. One of us can be the people's champion, and the other one will be the corporate champion. There we go. I like it. Well, we'll leave it on that. I will put up that poll. I'll put it on Twitter. For sure. Well, thank you, Jared, so much for joining us. We will do this again, maybe sometime talk some sports when there's sports going on or something else. But I appreciate you spending some time with Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm surprised it only took me how many episodes. You're going to be 72. <laughs> That's amazing. So congrats on the podcast. And, you know, obviously I've listened. I love the one with Trevaney turning the rules last week. I listened last Friday. It was kind of cool to hear and keep up the good work. I appreciate it, but I just lied to you. You're actually going to be 71. You're next. You're next up. Oh, uh, nice. I got next. Are you Goldberg next? Sure. <laughs> just like Goldberg. Just people will probably make it through this podcast in about three minutes. It'll be done. <laughs> that could be true. I hope not, but it could be true. All right, my friend, you take care. Sounds good. Thanks, bud.